The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. They do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance, a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome to Tooth Time. I am Pastor Monty, and we're going to continue today our discussion in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and kind of finish out the book of 1 Thessalonians and then jump over and begin having a discussion about uh, relationships uh, between children and their parents. It should be a wonderful time. Sitting in the, uh, in the uh, co-host chair, with me today, as was last week, is uh, one of our uh, elder cadets, uh, Jacob Browning, and uh, glad to have you here, Jacob. Good to be here. And we're just going to jump in and, and get her done. So let's uh, start by talking about the, uh, the Christ Factor. So we have been in chapter 5 of uh, 1 Thessalonians, and we're kind of finishing out that chapter. The Apostle Paul has been giving a, uh, a salutation, a closing salutation uh, to the church at Thessalonica in this uh, first letter. And uh, we have been going through and just touching on some of those things that he has been talking about. So we left off. Uh, somewhere around uh, chapter uh, 5, verse 20, where um, he is basically giving admonition that uh, the church should not despise prophecies, but should test all things, and to hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. So, um, you know, remember that when we... When we look at the, uh, and, and we kind of ended our discussion last week with, with b- the reminder that when we look, for example, at spiritual gifts and the working of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit 
Um, there are very distinctive, as it were, aspects of, uh, of how God works through his Holy Spirit. And so there are, there are lots of uh, false teachers and false prophets out there who make the claim that something is of God when it is not necessarily so. And so our responsibility, particularly according to the Apostle Paul, is to test those things. So, for example, you know, in the Old Testament, when you look at the, 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 uh, the, prophets, the prophets of old, one of the things that was, uh, they were to be defined by is that whenever they spoke, whatever they spoke came, came true. Mm-hmm. Right. So they were not, they were not only f- uh, foretelling, as in the case of many of the prophets where they didn't see the actual f- uh, fulfillment of the prophecies that they made uh, against a particular place. For example, the, the uh, prophet Jonah... Remember, Jonah was called to go and prophesy, you know, against uh, Nineveh, mm-hmm. and uh, and Jonah was upset. The long and short of it, it's an interesting story, but the long and short of it is Jonah was upset because he, God, God held off, because oftentimes uh, when it comes to judgment, God will give uh, an opportunity of repentance. Right. And, and uh, God held off... From the destruction of Nineveh, which jo- uh, the Jonah was sitting up on top, <laughs> on top of a hill, waiting to see the fireworks, mm-hmm. and he's upset, yeah, because they weren't coming, mm-hmm. because the city repented, and God held off from destroying the city. That's not to say that the prophecy didn't come true. A hundred and fifty years later, so Nineveh slipped back into its, into its ways. And 150 years later, God diverted the river so that Nineveh, which was a seaport, Nineveh became dry yeah. and, and uh, was desolate. Lack of resources. That's and right. And so God's, the prophecy did come true, but not in the fashion that Jonah was hoping for. Mm-hmm. So when we look at the Old Testament prophets, they were involved in fourth telling, telling events that were coming in the future for sure. But they were also involved in forth-telling, that is, speaking the Word of God now on a daily basis. So the expectation is when somebody uh, uh, utters a prophecy or claims to utter a prophecy, which is uh, dynamically their claim is that it is in in the name of God, that uh, and, and therefore we should listen to them, uh, the Apostle Paul says, uh, "No, no, you test yeah. what it is that they're saying. You you look at the life of the uh, you look at the life of the individual. You test what they're saying against the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit will not contradict God's Word. Right. And so you know you you need to test uh, that. Uh, well, the, it, it will the Holy Spirit will not contradict God's Word, nor Will he uh, will he um, violate the principles of God's sovereignty and God's holiness? Mm-hmm. So you have to test those things because there are those out there that uh, you know would uh, what would be well a, a good a good example of that would be there's a whole movement uh, which is called you know 
kind of name it and claim it. Okay, yeah, you, you I've know, heard where, of that. Where you have people telling people that you know if you just if you just uh, pray in in the name of Jesus uh, for anything that uh, he'll give it to you. Yeah, depending on your faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we talked a little bit about that last week, I believe, or, we ta- or maybe I was with Josh where we were talking about the fact that there are those out there that are struggling with uh, either a sin or those out there that are struggling with, for example, a physical infirmity, mm-hmm. and you know they've prayed for that infirmity or for what they're dealing with uh, in their families or... Or what have you, and it, it hasn't gone away, Mm-mm. and it's gotten worse. I think because sometimes because sometimes God uses those adversities to temper us, mm. and to strengthen us, mm. and to help us to you know learn how to uh, deal with some of those things. Because remember that we have the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, and as the Holy Spirit works within us, He's going to produce the fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. and then he's going to mature that fruit so remember uh the fruit of the spirit galatians chapter 5 love joy peace patience kindness goodness self-control mm-hmm. um long long suffering self-control so those things are going to be uh, matured in the life of the believer and and most often that happens uh, through uh, uh, us having to struggle. Right. Yep. That's true. That's how you get humbled. Yeah. Yeah. Can It can be humbling. It can be, it can be, uh, I think it's, it's difficult for our society today because uh, we live in a, uh, <laughs> we live in a, I want it now society. Yeah. Or entitled. Very much entitled. We have a society where people are very much entitled. Um, I think when we go through that uh, trauma or the struggle that you're talking about, uh, that's when we truly bring uh, glory to God as we see through it. Um, and that's one thing about the Holy Spirit. Never uh, Those that are working with the Holy Spirit would never bring glory to themselves, but to God uh, alone. Yeah, uh, uh, Pastor Josh is going to be, is, uh, has got a, a new series that he just began a couple weeks ago. Um, and uh, where he's uh, exegeting, that's uh, he's drawing out, he's preaching on uh, the uh, the book of James. Mm, yeah. And in the book of James, one of the one of the uh, passages in the early part of the book of James talks about the fact that when when uh, we have endured so trials and temptations, so when we have endured, and I'm just going to give you the the summary of the passage because Josh is going to exegete it fully. But when we have endured uh, temptations and we have endured trials, then we uh, will receive the crown of life. Well, the, 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 uh, the Greek for the word uh, crown here is, is the word uh, um, that is, depicts the, the crown that an Olympian, you know, the Greeks, when you went through an Olympic uh, contest, uh, they would put a, a wreath of, of a crown on your head. They didn't give them gold like we do. Right. Or bronze or silver. Mm-hmm. They, they would put a crown on their head, and they would claim them victory. And the idea behind that is that they didn't, they didn't get to that point of victory 
overnight. Right. But there was trials. Mm -hmm. And there was working out. Mm -hmm. And there was struggle. And there was pain. Blood, sweat, and tears. That's right. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are present. So when you see that victor, you know, even, even today, if you see, you know, an Olympian standing there getting the gold, or you see, you know, a crown being placed on somebody, because that... That is representative of not, um, you know, of not just a moment, but that is representative of maybe even years of struggle mm. uh, to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what the Holy Spirit calls us to. So we are to test those who uh, give us prophecy and tell us what God's word says, that it is in compliance with the rest of God's word. And, and then the Apostle Paul's admonition is not only that, but that, uh, you know, we are to, um, you know, hold fast to that which is good. So we need to make sure that we understand that which is good and hold tight to it. Uh, hold, the, you know, hold the, the idea here, holding fast is, is like somebody that's got a, a, you know, almost a depth grip on something. They're not going to let go of that thing. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from that which is evil. Yeah, it makes me think of like if you're on a ride, like a crazy roller coaster ride, or uh, I know in Las Vegas, uh, the, there's a stratosphere ride where you right. shoot into the sky right. um, and you're holding on because you're, you're looking at life or death there. Um, if you get out of the seat belts, well, the you, only thing holding you is that bar now. Well, you think you're looking at life or death. Yeah, obviously, they got everything set up so you're just having the thrill. But in this, it's even more, uh, like, it's not a, mo a metaphor anymore. It's you're actually holding on to the salvation of Christ right. in that way. So you, it is life and death. And I, I think that one of the biggest struggles that uh, believers have, uh, Jacob, is that is, that, uh, is this thing of holding on to that which is good and abstaining from that which is evil. You know, making uh, choices. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the trick to being a disciple of Christ, to being successful as a disciple of Christ, is understanding the dynamic of choices. Now, remember, in theory, it, should <laughs> it shouldn't be difficult. Right. Because you're a new creation. Sin is dead. Yeah, and you, the Holy Spirit gives you the discernment. Right, right. You're, so sin is dead and buried. You're, you're raised to walk a new life. So you have a new mindset. So you're on the, the path to, to conform to God's word. So you would think that, um, you know, you would think that abstaining from evil, choosing what's good, and abstaining from that as evil, you'd think that'd be easy. As I'm in my experience. No, no. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I've found that when you're uh, giving your life to Christ in that way, uh, Satan will try harder and harder to make you, uh, test you, to get you to sin. So he'll, he'll put obstacles in your way. Yeah, and make it easier for you to sin. Yeah. Or, or you'll, uh, or, or you'll have, um, You'll have uh, unproductive self-talk. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that they they self-talk themselves. Yeah, they talk to themselves. 
And just let me, you know, this is uh, truth time with Pastor Monty. So just let me make it clear that, um, you know, if, if you talk to yourself, that's not a bad thing. Everybody talks to themselves. Some more fluently than others, but everybody talks to themselves. I mean, listen, I, my experience has been is that I'm a great conversationalist. So if I'm talking to myself, we're having a great conversation. Mm -hmm. So you're not crazy if you talk to yourself. Um, you're not even crazy if you answer yourself. You ever had the opportunity where you've, you ask yourself a question and then you go, huh, and then you answer the own question that you just asked? Yeah. See, I mean, you're not crazy if you do that either. When you're on the edge of craziness is when you, uh, you ask yourself what you said. Hmm. Yeah, that could be a little off-putting. Yeah, well, yeah, because you're having a conversation with yourself. Um, so, you, you should, so you should know what you just said. I uh, oftentimes get garbage thoughts where my mind will say things to me that aren't productive or uh, are actually ungodly. And then um, out loud, I will say no or um, I'll like, make a sound to uh, over power that thought yeah yeah um and that's why for example a good mechanism that's a mechanism jacob and a good mechanism um is for uh disciples of christ to to uh reassert for example um the event of their baptism yeah mm -hmm. you're dead self self tries to reassert itself Satan uses a thought in order to assert something which is not productive. It's, it's, it's a great mechanism to say, on this date, you're dead. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. have, you no longer have authority or power over me. See, before we were um, in Christ, we couldn't help but yield to those thoughts. And some of those thoughts and some of those things are more sinister than uh, than others, but we couldn't help because we were governed by self. Now that we're in Christ, we're disciples of Christ. We're no longer governed by self. Self is dead. Yeah. So now we are on the track to righteousness, and the Apostle Paul does confirm. And if you read in Romans, wonderful book. If you read in Romans, um, you know about chapter seven or eight. The Apostle Paul talks about this uh, struggle that exists between evil and between good within the life of the believer. Um, but clearly his message is that uh, as those who are disciples of Christ, we uh, have overcome. And we do not have to submit to those uh, evil thoughts. So again, his admonition to the Thessalonians, uh, you know, cling to that which is good. Extol that which is good. Gravitate toward abstain from evil. Right. You know, abstain from those things that that uh, hold power over you. Abstain from those things which will not glorify God. And acknowledging God's hand in your life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I'm dating myself, of course, but, you know, George, uh, George Bush Sr., when he was president, used to say, uh, you know, ain't going to do that. You know, ain't going to do that. Mm -hmm. I could. The believer would turn to uh, 
the believer would turn to scripture where the apostle Paul reaffirms in Romans that, uh, you know, for, for us as disciples of Christ, uh, we're not bound by the law. The Jews are bound by the law. We're not bound by the law. So there's no, there's no law against what we do or don't do. The question is, is, is it beneficial? Yeah. And, you know, so there are a lot of believers who will say, well, you know, I can't do that because, because that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, a, uh, that's against the law. You're not, you're not, you're not covered by the law. You're, sh you're covered by the shed blood of Christ, and there is nothing that separates you from Christ, uh, from God because of that shed blood. So, so you're not bound by the law. The question that the believer in maturity has to ask himself is, should I do that? Yeah. Um, how are you bringing glory to God in what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Is that beneficial? Right. Yep. So, so this, the implication that the Apostle Paul is given here is that this is something which is an ongoing process. We constantly need to be vigilant. We need to be aware that we are making choices. Mm -hmm. does, uh, does our choice bring glory to God? That's the, that's the dynamic of that question. He finishes out First uh, Thessalonians. Cord just hung up. He finishes out First Thessalonians by uh, giving them a, uh, a greeting of peace. Now may God, the God of peace himself, sanctify you completely. Remember that we are in the process of being sanctified. He's in the process of helping us become holy, for we are already a holy and righteous people. Remember, not, we're a holy and righteous people because of the work of Christ on the cross. We are covered by Christ's blood, and we are a holy and righteous people because of that. But we are in the process of learning what it means to live as a holy and righteous people. Right. We are being sanctified. So the work of Christ on the cross is our justification before God. The process of becoming what God has called us to be then is sanctification. The two big words there for you. So we are being sanctified. Uh, and he says here, uh, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body, so the whole of you, be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who calls you in faithfulness, uh, he said, and then he just asks them to pray for them and, and, uh, and gives them a final, final greeting. So here in First Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul has uh, just talked to them a little bit about the difficulties of the coming times. He's talked to them about the, uh, the importance of purity. He's talked to them about the uh, understanding of how God works in the life of the believer, that we, uh, that we you know, allow the Holy Spirit to work in the body, but that we do so wisely. And, uh, and then he talks about personal purification, that we uh, abstain from that which is evil. Um, in the process of sanctification, I wanted to ask a little bit more for further clarification. Sure. Um, so basically, uh, through the uh, sacrifice of Christ and his work on the cross, um, that is the 
um, affirmation that we as Christians look on knowing that he offered the gift of salvation and to be made right or holy. But then afterwards, as new believers and um, understanding of Christ's work, um, um, using the Holy Spirit as was permitted, that would be the outworking of the sanctification and uh, being made holy, uh, which will take time. Right. So what 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 happened? Yes, that's correct. So so the work of Christ on the cross is is outside of us. There's nothing that we can do. So part the part of the process here from a biblical standpoint is that um, our sin separates us from God. So the work of Christ on the cross is uh, is that process of reconciliation where we are being brought back into a relationship with our God that was broken because of our sin. Mm-hmm. So that's outside of us. So the work of, so basically the story of Jesus is that, is that uh, man is incapable of saving himself or doing good enough works to find grace within the glory of God because, because righteousness demands payment. Mm-hmm. So because of that, since we can't pull that off ourselves, God himself took the step to make that reconciliation process available through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. The Apostle Paul calls it that Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sin. He is the payment for our sin. Yeah, We have no... Um, except to accept the work of Christ, we have uh, no part of that. Right. Christ is the one who took care of it on the cross. That's a done deal. By grace alone. By grace alone, right. yes. So, so we have no part of that. However, however the, 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 the process of sanctification is the process whereby as disciples of Christ we begin to now yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we gravitate towards uh, those things of God which are righteous because we are holy. Not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. Yeah. So that then, as you alluded to, which is correct, then becomes a process. And that maturation process, uh, first of all, <laughs> yeah, our, 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 our instant society wants us to, to, uh, to be there instantly. But it doesn't happen. It takes time. So the factors that are there is that as you expose yourself to the Word of God, as you expose yourself to God's perspective, on how you might live, you begin to be saturated with the Word of God, and your perspective is is uh, obviously different than the world's perspective. Because what the world is about is the world is about glorifying self. Right. But see, in the life of the believer, self is dead. Mm-hmm. So the so uh, we have a, a totally different worldview then as as disciples of Christ that we have to gravitate towards. 
And as we gravitate towards that thing, those things, we're going to find that there are things that we have in our life that um, are inconsistent, that have to be cleaned out. Got to open up those bags. You, you heard the word, you know, baggage? Yeah. You know, people have baggage? Right. Yeah, people have spiritual baggage. Mm-hmm. And they have to open up those bags and clean this out. You know, like, I don't need this, I don't need that. You know, so... You I find go, that in marriage. Well, we'll we're going to have a topic. We're going to talk about marriage, you know, several weeks down the road, but a primary relationship. But, yes, I mean, there is that process you go through. So the believer, so, so your success in being able to do that, Jacob, uh, depends upon your willingness to be uh, submissive to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and your willingness to yield to him as you go through this process of, of driving into extinction, now I'm going to give you some psychology words, of driving into extinction those things which are no longer productive and focusing those on those things which are productive that you might glorify Christ in how you live. That is what the sanctification process is. Yeah, I think that's a perfect example for what Christ did um, just after the Last Supper, after he prayed, uh, going into uh, his death, he prayed to God to take this cup from me. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, his will, the Father's, be done. Right, and he yielded to the Father that we might benefit from that work on the cross. Mm-hmm. We're going to wrap up this session here and, and, uh, and uh, transition into uh, our discussion of relationships uh, and I, I don't know, have we come up with a name? I don't think we've come up with a name yet, have we, Jasmine? I got to think on that. Oh, uh, yeah, we're going to get down to the heart of the matter. So the, th- <laughs> so the thing is, is that we've been talking about relationships. And the fact that we were created as relational beings. So we're looking at the different relationships that exist in the life of the believer. And so we've talked about our primary relationship with God, the fact that we are created in his image, that we are relational because he is relational. So we talked about that. We, we talked about and finished up a discussion of uh, a primary relationship that we have no choice in initially, um, that of uh, siblings. Right. So whether you have some or don't have some or how you respond to them as a believer, how you respond to them if they're not believers. So if you missed that discussion, which uh, we kind of finished up last week, then you can go back and you can look at uh, uh, our podcast for this season, um, because um, we that we have progressed through that, and we are up to today. So we finished the sibling issue by talking about as as uh, as disciples of Christ, how do we deal with our siblings, both the sibling that is a believer now, now you're adults. How do you deal with your siblings as an adult believer? And more importantly, how do you deal with your sibling who is, uh, who is not a believer? Also an adult, not a believer. 
and how do you deal with that. So we talked about those things. So today, we're going to begin the discussion of talking about a primary relationship that we all have no choice in. That is, well, initially you have no choice. That is the uh, relationship that you have with your parents. <laughs> You're smiling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I anticipate that, that uh, this discussion will take uh, several weeks. So Jacob is going to kind of help me start that out, but, but uh, Pastor Josh and I will pick it up as we finish out the next several weeks because this is a, a involved discussion because the relationship that we have with our parents is uh, complex for most oh, yeah. and rather involved. So first of all, let's talk about the fact that remember that this is a primary relationship. So like it or not, um, you have no choice in the in you had no choice in the parents that God gave you. Right. That's important to remember for sure. Right. And so that's kind of a starting point. So you so here's here's the question that most people fail to understand. Let me just do something real quick here. Excuse me. Here's the question that most people fail to understand. So if, if you as a believer, as a disciple of Christ, if you believe, and you should, if you believe that God is sovereign, that is that he is over all things, the psalmists talk about the fact that God knew us in the womb before we were even born. So I want you to think about that for a moment, uh, because both for uh, believers and for non-believers, that means that the parents that God gave you that you were born into that particular family unit, um, that's not by happenstance. There are people that live under chaos theory that believe that everything, everything that happens to them is by chance or by chaos. And what, we, and what we learn from scriptures, that's not true. Scary thought. Yeah, it is scary. What we learn, yeah. from, what we learn from scripture is that, is, is that our God, who is our creator, is sovereign. Right. And so one of the things, so you may not, you, we'll just start out by laying foundationally some things. So first of all, you may not be thrilled with the parents that you have. I mean, they may, they, may, they may fall short of your narcissistic expectations. <laughs> and I'm, I'm speaking more to a generation today that is very much narcissistic. Yeah. And all they, all they think about is themselves. Uh, there's this show on MTV about uh, Sweet 16 mm -hmm. where they will, these kids will yell at their parents because they didn't have the big old party or the celebrity or the car that they wanted, they got right. a different one instead. Right. <laughs> so totally. And, and, and you know, let me just let me just say, starting starting out, that uh, well, l let me just share what I honestly think about this. I honestly think that um, these narcissistic little brats that are entitled need to rethink where they're coming from. Now, if you're a, a non-believer and you hold that attitude, that's understandable because that's where our society is. 
coming from, and our society is is a sick, because and that is a that is a sick perspective. But if you are a believer, and you hold the position that um, your parents weren't good enough, or that they didn't do things exactly the way you think that they should be done, or you know why did God give you the parents that you have because they're they're pathetic. Let me explain to you something that you're that as a believer you that that runs contrary to what God tells us in His Word because if we yield to the fact that God is sovereign, then that means that the parents you have, whether believers or non-believers, God knew that that was the case in His foreknowledge, and He gave you those parents for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there's something lacking. It's up to you to fill that in. Well, as as you grow, so and we'll so this will be part of our discussion later, as we develop this. But yeah, if you when you grow up and you begin to recognize, so remember that in childhood development, uh, normally children do not begin to deal with abstract thought until preteen. So up until about ten years old or so. Most, uh, what we find is that most children are concrete thinkers. It is only when they hit uh, the preteen into the teenage years that they begin to deal with abstract concepts. Mm. So when you begin to realize that your parents were somewhat lacking in what they were providing or not providing, um, then that's something that you can begin to explore at that point. But up until that point, you as a developing as you develop in your uh, personhood, um, you know you really are not in a position to, as it were, judge your parents. And particularly, as I said, if you're if you're a disciple of Christ, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you have this type of an attitude towards your parents, shame on you. Shame on you. You should not, because your real argument is not with your parents and their inadequacies, if you think they have, and, and all parents have some inadequacies, but, but if you think that they're lacking, uh, then you know that's an issue that you need to take before God. Right. It's, it's basically like saying that God was lacking. Yeah. It's not true. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it's saying. And so, you know, the, the real question that you should be asking, and I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of why questions, but the real question that you should be asking is why, Lord? Honestly, why? 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 What, what is it that, that you wanted me to learn mm-hmm. through the parents that you gave me? Remember, we're talking about now somebody who is self-reflective. So we're talking about, you know, preteen, teenage years. If you're starting to be self-reflective, the question that you should be asking is, God, why did you give me these parents? And what can I learn from them? Mm -hmm. That's the question you should be asking. Now, I'm approaching this from the standpoint of uh, I I grew up with non-believing parents, so I I have kind of a rough background from many people in in this body, 
because I grew up with non-believing parents. And my father was an alcoholic. And my mother didn't, you know, so my father's way of showing tenderness to me was to slam me up against a wall when he was drunk. <laughs> you know, my, my mother, she didn't intervene. Mm. So, so my parents basically abandoned me when I was uh, probably in my uh, teenage years. They didn't, they, they didn't, uh, they didn't advise me. They, I, I, I was even required, when I started working, I started working when I was 12. I was even, I was even required to pay them rent mm. to live there. At 12? At 12. Sheesh. Yeah, yeah, rough, rough life. Yeah. Um, so, so. Cut your uh, childhood quick there. Yeah, so I, I mean, I kind of understand where people are coming when they've got issues against their parents. But on the other hand, um, although it was a struggle and I didn't understand all the dynamics, uh, we, never, we never slept on the street. We always had a roof over our head. There were times where we barely had any food, but, uh, you know, I remember as a child putting tartar sauce on a pancake because I didn't have anything else to put there. All there was in the house for food was some pancake mix and some tartar sauce. Mm. And, you know, I got to say, it's not, it's not that bad, you know. So, so uh, but we didn't go, you know, we didn't go hungry. Um, you know, we had food. My father had a, uh, although he was an alcoholic, he had a great work ethic. And so he worked really hard, and he tried the best that he could. Now, keep in mind... You know, my father had less than a sixth-grade education. Because back in those days, you know, uh, not everybody, uh, not, not like uh, the entitled brats that we have running around today, uh, they, who have a guaranteed education, K through 12, if they just take advantage of what's there for them, in my dad's day, they didn't have that. Yeah. So, you know, he didn't have that benefit, so... So, uh, but he had a, a good work ethic. So, I mean, there are some good, but my, my, both my parents smoked, like smokestacks. Mm -hmm. You know, my father, like I said, he's always drinking. Um, you know, so, so those things are there, and yet I can see how God used some of those things to begin to instill in me some of the things that would be necessary for me to glorify him as I grew into adulthood. Mm -hmm. But as far as them giving me any guidance, none whatsoever. Didn't didn't teach me about didn't teach me about nothing about the things of life. No real boundaries set in that way. Nope, nope, nope. Mm. I pretty much pretty much on my own. Like I said, by the time I was twelve, I you know got myself made the money I needed to, bought my own clothes. You know they didn't they didn't clothe me. Bought my own clothes, you know. Got my own. Got my. I I went to Benson's, so we lived. We lived over by uh, well, what is what is now, um, the community college PCC. So yeah. we we lived off of eighty uh, second and Division, eighty fourth and Division actually. But so we lived there, and what I did, when I um, decided to go to Benson. Um, I had to get there myself. 
Mm. They didn't provide any any transportation. Well, that's in the city, right? Yeah, yeah. Vince is out there by Lloyd Center, right? Yeah, right, right. So it's a good five miles. Yeah. You know, I had to get there myself. That was my that was my task. Mm. So, you know, I grew up with kind of a kind of a rough life. Um in con in contrast, you know, my my children had everything. Mm-hmm. Well, not they're going to be if they listen to this. My the pastor Joshua listened to this. He'll go, no, we didn't. Well, you had everything that you needed for sure. There are some things that you didn't need that we simply didn't indulge. For example, we didn't allow our children to have uh, video games until they were able to get them themselves. But I wasn't going to waste my money on video games. I would say that right now, as adults, they're gamers. Uh, have you played with Pastor Josh? Yeah, we uh, played for a long time together on Xbox Live. He's deadly. <laughs> yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's, he's really good. He knows, too. And he doesn't get that from me. He doesn't get that from me. His mother is a gamer. Ah, and I know that the, the kids, they, uh, they tease me and say she's not a gamer. Uh, she, she's good. You know, back in the day, like the Pac-Man and all those different things, you know. Um, uh, What's the uh, Mario Brothers? Yeah. You know, those types of things. Even now, she plays uh, Angry Birds and different. She's really good. Hmm. High score. Um, So the aptitude for doing that, the kids get from uh, their mother, not from me. Interesting. But um, we didn't allow games in the house. We bought them what they needed. My, I never... Never bought my kids a pair of Nikes. Mm. I'm paying no 150 bucks for a pair of tennis shoes. They really are that expensive too. Like that's a good deal, 150 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you want you want you want Nikes because everybody else is wearing Nikes. You go out and earn the money yourself. Yeah, I'm gonna give you 20 bucks to find a pair of tennis shoes at the shoe factory or whatever. I think that's a valuable lesson. <laughs> Yeah, so I was a tough dad, but my my kids had everything that they needed, and uh, and then some. Um, but but the key word you said by contrast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, so the the uh, so the Lord blessed my children um, because they uh, have their mother and I as their parents. Now I can see that for it, sure. It's kind of hard for them to admit that that's the case sometimes, but uh, they are blessed. Now, um, so 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 the situation is: is do you do you appreciate um, the dynamics of of your parents, and do you appreciate the fact that God used whether they are believers or non-believers? Do you appreciate the fact that God used them? Uh, greatly in your life as you were growing up, because I hear many young people today, even believers, who uh, who talk smack about their parents. Mm. And I got to tell you, again, truth time with Pastor Monty, my take on that: bad form, mm. bad form. You don't talk smack about your parents. Now we're going to talk about we're going to talk in Scripture about what what Scripture actually says about this relationship, the guidance that it does give. But what I want to establish foundationally here 
is that first of all, we all have parents. So y'all didn't come out of the blue. <laughs> out of a big bang. No, no, you know, you just you just didn't pop out from a tree or something like that, you know. Uh, your parents were walking by, you know, and, and uh, saw you laying there at a tree and said, oh, here's the baby we've been waiting for. Mm. Uh, that, that didn't happen. Um, you know, you were born into this world because God created you to be born into this world. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking of Moses. Yeah. Um, he was born, but he also showed up to... Uh, that the wife of the pharaoh in the basket. Right, he was put in the basket, and and uh, the the uh, the nursemaid found him. Yeah, the nursemaid. Yep, and then and and raised. because God, well, because God had special design for Moses in particular. Mm-hmm. But a big plan for him. Yep, indeed, and God may have a big plan for you. Yeah. Um, as to how it is that he's going to use you. But this relationship of your parents, we have to start out foundationally first recognizing that God gave you the parents that you have. Mm -hmm. And you should be thankful for the fact that you have those parents. Um, Now, that being said, does that mean that your parents couldn't be improved upon? You know, (laughs) my... My... uh, my children, too, my children at least, um, have said to me more than once, they think that the, they can improve upon me. I've heard that. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not frustrated by that. I'm not upset by that. You know, there, there are two things that come to mind, however. The first thing is knock yourself out. If you think that you're going to be an improvement on me, knock yourself out. Because I've lived by a high standard, and you got your work cut out for you. Number two, and this is speaking from my old age, because the Lord has allowed me to live a long time. From my old age, the other thing that comes to mind is, we'll see. We'll see. Y'all say that you're going to be an improvement on me? Knock yourself out. You're going to live long enough to be able to prove that you are an improvement? We'll see. We'll see. Because that's all dependent upon what you do or don't do, the choices that you make, and the consistency that is there. Mm -hmm. So, you know... Again, for those of you who tell your... So if you're a parent and you're listening to this and, and your, uh, your children tell you that they're, they're an improvement on you, they're going to take all your inadequacies, ad, inadequacies and they're going to improve upon you, as a parent, you need to calm down. Calm down. I, I know that the inclination is to just slap them up alongside the head. And say, who do you think you are, you little punk? Um, don't do that. Don't do that. Just love, just lovingly look at him and say, well, you know, Lord bless you in that. Mm-hmm. You knock yourself out. And uh, if you live to be old enough to be my age, 
we'll see whether you did or you didn't. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Well, the old man here has lots of interesting thoughts. Yeah. That's the reason why it's truth time with Pastor Monty. Somebody's, I, uh, somebody's phone is going off. Oh, boy. No, that's a no-no. Um, okay, so uh, I know I put my phone on Do Not Disturb, so I don't know what that's all about. Okay, okay so here's... Theme so music. Here's my... <laughs> Here's my other thought as we end up this segment today, because remember, we're doing some foundational things. Uh, if you make that type, so if you are a young person and you're listening to what I'm telling you, if you make that type of a statement to your parents, make sure that you do it with some humility. Because, again, from my standpoint, bad form. Bad form. I mean, your parents might be gracious like I am, but uh, bad form uh, because that because that uh, that statement is shows uh, non appreciation for the dynamics of what it means to be a parent. I have a question. Sure. On uh, that that thought. Um, so. Like you, I had uh, my my dad at least. Um, he claims to have had God in his life, but the fruit doesn't show that, right? There you go, yeah. And yeah. so, um, in that, if I uh, was to copy that example, I would be no better than him, right? I would be just as sinful, just as doomed if you will, but um, I've been motivated to be better than him. But I've never told him that that's my motivation. It was more between me and God that that was something that I was called towards. And you should keep it there. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> go up to my dad like that and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in your face. Yeah, I'll be yeah. better than you. Yeah, He's already struggling with his own thoughts. That's right. That's like I said. I want to partner up with him to be form. better. Yeah, you know? absolutely. That, even form. if he's like completely insane, I would still go against whatever is coming at me to make sure that we're growing together. If we're in the like process of building relationship, Jacob, then what you might say to your dad, if you have that type of an intimate discussion, which I don't think you're there yet. You said you're still working on. But as you grow into adulthood and you're having that type of a reflective discussion on your childhood, uh, a more appropriate framework uh, would be for you to discuss with your father would be for you to tell your father that you inspired me. Sure, that's a better way of looking at it. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know, you may not want to go into detail on how he inspired you. No. You know, you you know, you inspire. <laughs> I can see your failures. That's something that motivated me to not fail. Well, you know what? I mean, my, my wife talks about the fact that, you know, she saw many of the failures of her parents, and she was inspired not to repeat those things. Yeah. Learn from them. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's the direction that I would I would take that. So yeah. we're going to end this section today, but uh, this is going to be a fun discussion, particularly when Pastor Josh gets here. Yeah. Because, of course, uh, 
he has some entertaining thoughts. I can feel the heat sitting in his chair. <laughs> All right. Let's close out uh, our day today together with What's Up With That? What's Up With That? So, <laughs> so um, when I'm looking for what's up with that, basically I'm going online and I'm looking at, you know, uh, various interesting things that are out there. And i got to tell you, there are a lot of things out there regarding uh, uh, the interaction with people and animalia and what have you. Um, and I just, could, I just couldn't pass this one up today. Uh, Josh teases me sometimes because we, we talk about crocodiles and snakes and <laughs> bears and all kinds of things. Well, today, which is appropriate uh, because Scripture alludes to... Uh, uh, us as sheep, right? <laughs> yep. There, there was a uh, shepherd uh, uh, in Australia that evidently had lost uh, one of his sheep, and the sheep had uh, been able to survive on its own, and it was lost for several years. Oh wow! And when they found the sheep, the sheep's hair. Now remember, sheep have to. I, I know that a lot of people here aren't really. Uh, into sheep herding we're more uh in the west here we're more cattle driven but uh you know sheep you this may come as a shocker to you city folk but uh, wool comes from sheep dang that's <laughs> so, crazy yeah <laughs> and so the 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 uh, the hair that sheep grow uh, is sheared by the sheep farmers and and uh, the whole purpose of having uh, uh, the sheep is to shear the the uh, what they grow uh, so that it can be spun into clothing and what have you. And so the hair continues to grow. Well, they they found this lost sheep, and he was so covered because he hadn't been uh, trimmed for several years. Mm -hmm. He was so covered in his hair in his wool that. Uh, it had grown over his face, and he could barely see to get around where he needed to. When they trimmed him, they took off 78 pounds. Whoa! <laughs> 78 pounds of wool. Dang. Yeah. That's... If they were short on supply, they aren't anymore. <laughs> that's that's a lot. He covered the hair off the three sheep. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a, a gold lot. mine right there. 78 pounds. It's so, a little gold know. mugget running around. That's right. So uh, I, I thought that was interesting. You know, that's a lot right there. Okay, here's, the, uh, here's my second one, which is a little bit different. You know, uh, if you turn on the uh, television, um, which, you know, we all do, most of us do in some form or another where uh, we're dealing with media or Internet or whatever, um, you, you will note that there's just all kinds of diets out there. Yep. Every time you turn around, there's some kind of diet going on, you know. I got to be gluten free. Yeah, well, there you go. Mm -hmm. And and uh, uh, my wife and I find as we're getting older that there are just certain foods we can't eat anymore. Yeah. You know, when we were younger, we could get away with it, but now that we're older, we just can't. We just can't. And and so uh, this uh, this man in Cincinnati, Ohio, in honor of uh, Lent, so that the the days before we celebrate the, the uh, ascension of Christ, the, the, the resurrection of Christ. The day, so before the days of Lent, 
he goes on a 46-day beer diet. Just beer? Primarily beer. Huh. He drinks he drinks five five or six steins of beer. He's this is not like he's getting drunk on, but but he drinks only beer, a little bit of coffee, uh, some water, and uh, oh, good. and maybe some tea. I was hoping he was drinking some water or something like that. Well, you need to have the water because that would be hard on your liver. That's right. But um, but uh, yeah, forty six day beer diet. So he's not eating anything. No food. He's taking uh, the nutrition from beer. Yeah, taking the nutrition from beer. Mm. Which you know, depending on your brew, is going to be barley or hops or yeah. or wheat or or whatever. I'm just wondering how protein plays into that because they don't put no protein in beer. No protein there. Complex sugars, but no protein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So man, uh, he must be tired. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Or but he said he's done this a couple years, uh, so he did it in 19, uh, well, 2019 and, and 2020, and he says that every he loses uh, between 30 and 50 pounds. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. You hear beer gut, though, right? People who drink a lot of beer and then finish it off with food. Well, no, the reason people get beer guts is because they, they, they drink the beer and then they lay around, you know. Okay. Because they're not in, they're not active. They're drinking the beer. Yeah, they let it all just sit. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I thought th I thought, but I'm with you. See, forty forty six days of uh, drinking nothing but beer. Mm -hmm. Well, and maybe a cup of coffee and maybe some water, but sure. but, but basically no food consuming. Yeah. Like wow, what's up with that? I know. I just I will occasionally get a beer, but it's ma mostly because I'm experiencing protein of a steak or of a burger yeah you know something like that and it's like this would go good with a beer but without that it's kind of like there's something missing there see i my father drank beer he was a heidelberg guy and uh, i never really liked the taste of beer now i know that um uh, particularly you know portland is like the micro micro brew capital yeah. of the at least the pacific northwest and mm -hmm. people come from all over I'm not really a beer guy, so I know that they make all kinds of different brews, though IPAs and and uh, you know various beers, ales, uh, ales, and all kinds of things. But like I've never dark. found one that I I really like, so I don't I don't really drink beer because I just don't I don't like the taste. On the other hand, my my wife will uh, she'll sample beer, like when we went over to. Uh, when we went over to Ireland, you know, she tried some Guinness. She liked it. Mm -hmm. I, that's nasty stuff. I wondered about that's that. That's a real, real dark beer. It is. It's heavy. I just wondered if uh, the Guinness there uh, is a different mix or a different blend because here it just it doesn't really. It kind of tastes like a dark coffee to me. Well, she says that she says that the the on tap Guinness in Ireland. Uh, is uh, is has a different flavor to it than the canned Guinness. Mm. But you know, with Guinness, see, you're not supposed to drink it right. You're not supposed to just pour it and drink it. You're supposed to pour it and then let it set for a minute or two in order for it to settle, so that it has the right uh, it has the right bouquet and the right effervescence and all that nonsense. That makes sense. Yeah. I, 
What do I know since I don't drink beer? Yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah, 46, 46 days on a beer diet. Yeah, those of you who like beer, if you want to lose weight, you might try that. I would uh, back that up by having some water and going for a jog. There you afterward. go. All righty. Well, that's all I got for you today. I hope that you have enjoyed uh, this episode of uh, Truth Time with Pastor Monty and uh, that, uh, and that um, Jacob, thank you for uh, guest hosting uh, since Pastor Josh has been out in the way. And uh, maybe we'll see you again. Yeah, it's been a pleasure being here. Take us home. All right. So the Truth Time podcast is a resource of Aletheia Bible Fellowship, part of its Vigilance Radio Network, our online ministry that seeks to provide helpful and interesting content for the church local and at large. If you've enjoyed this show, make sure to like, subscribe, share, and hit the notification bell. Uh, this resource and its sister shows are easily found on Facebook and YouTube. And if you've benefited from our show today, you can always donate to us. And uh, Even a dollar a week can be put to good use. But if you're poor like us, no worries. You can help us out by liking and sharing this content and remembering to tune in each week on Tuesdays at 11. I'm Jacob Browning, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening.